This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, we begin this morning. And, you know, the Bible's very clear. It says, to the natural man, the, the, the non-spiritual man, the things of God or the things of the Spirit of God are silliness. One translation says foolishness. Another says nonsense. Now the reason I'm highlighting that to start with is I want to ask you that question right there. How do you view the things of God? How do you view the spiritual things of God? Do do you view them as nonsense? As meaningless? Or do you view them as the only way to base my life upon? I choose to base mine on the latter part, only the Word of God. And so we begin here this morning, and I'll get to the video on the loop here in just a minute what that means. But we begin in Ephesians 5, verse 8. It says, for you were were once darkness. (laughs) When I read that, I think, yes, I was. I, I don't know about you, but darkness defined my life until I was about 19. And again, I I thank God for the Lord Jesus. So he says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Better stated, you are light now because of the Lord. No other reason but because of the Lord Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm very grateful for that today. Because when I look into that passage right there, in my own life, and you may be able to identify with this, If it wasn't for the Lord Jesus to come into my life and expose the darkness and allow me to walk in light, I would either be dead or I'd be incarcerated the rest of my life. So I'm very grateful. This is why I take this very seriously when I speak on the Word of God. It's that significant. He ends verse 8 and says, walk as children of light. Live as children of light. Now the way I walk as a child of light is in my behaviors, my actions, and even my lifestyles. And it's interesting that he specifically tells every one of us in here, he said, walk as children of light. It's easy to confess Jesus as Lord and say this, but do I walk? And so again, let me paraphrase this for you. Learn to put a little walkie-walkie with your talkie-talkie, okay? Walk in light. Verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Whatever's good, whatever's right, it's true. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Learn carefully what pleases the Lord. Just as we grow up in homes and we want to please our mothers and fathers, what about pleasing the Lord? Say, Lord, I want to please you. I want to live for you. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And when we talk about the unfruitful works of darkness, he's talking about the things of this world. He says, take no part in them. Do not participate in the things of darkness. And he ends this verse and says, but rather expose them. Reprove them. Don't live that way is what he's telling us. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. 
That's quite a statement right there. It's shameful even to speak of the darkness, to even speak of the sinful things. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is of light. So the evil intentions will be exposed by light. And he ends this passage here and he says, Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep spiritually and arise from the dead spiritually and Christ will give you light. So we begin to see some thoughts right here as we begin. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn to the book of uh, Numbers chapter 13. And as we're turning to Numbers 13, right there in the front of your Bible, we know the passages of the history that God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Now when he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he didn't bring them out of Egypt for them to keep living like they did in Egypt. He wanted them to live different. God had purpose for them, and God has purpose for us. He has destiny for them, and he has destiny for us. And so what happens there is is he wanted them to live out their full, full potential. But what happened to them is there were days they lived closer to Egypt than they did to the promised land, and they lived closer to the promised land than they did to Egypt. And so what you're going to begin to see here is they didn't advance. It was like they were on a pendulum. They swung toward Israel, I mean toward toward the promised land, and then they swung back toward Egypt. Now the reason I highlight that this morning, because often this will identify many believers. So here's a question for you. How have you progressed toward the things of God in your life? Would, would the pendulum describe you of swinging this way and then back this way? So now we, we pick up here in, in Numbers 13, and we know that Moses sends out these 12 spies to spy out the land. He didn't spy, uh, send them out to see if they could take the land. God had already told them, that land's yours. So the reason he sent them out was for them to get a game plan, a strategy on this is the best way to go ahead and take Take the promised land like God has already said. So we pick up here in chapter 13 of of, uh, verse 25 of Numbers. And they, remember 12 of them, they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now to help you a little bit geographically with the promised land, it was 150 miles long and 60 miles wide. I used to wonder, well, how could they check out the whole land in that time of 40 days? Well, that's reason. 150 miles long and 40 miles wide. So we keep reading, verse 26. Now they, and every time I read the word they, I'm going to highlight the 12 disciples. Now they, the 12 disciples, departed and they came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregations of the Philistines of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they, all 12 of them, brought back word to them and to all the congregation They showed them the fruit of the land. They put it on display. They said, look what we got. Then they, they, all 12 of them, told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly, it surely, it certainly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. So they said, man, there's so many goats and sheep. 
we're going to have milk all day long. And the honey was so in abundance that it would drip from the trees. And then they brought back clusters of grapes. They showed them the pomegranates. They showed them the figs. They showed them all the nuts and said, it's everything that God said it would be and more. Verse 28. Nevertheless, nevertheless, and we've got to stop right there with that word. That word nevertheless it has meaning of but. But. If I live by the nevertheless and the buts, I'll never make it to the promised land. In that nevertheless and the but is an excuse. It gives us a reason to settle. It's a, it's a form of compromise. If if and buts were candy and nuts, what a merry Christmas we'd have. Keep reading. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Now remember, these twelves, they come back and they start telling them this. And so by the words that they speak, they begin to give them descriptions of what they're getting ready to face. And by those words, large and fortified and strong, it paints a picture in their mind that's negative. That's not good. And it's the same with me and you. There can be, be one word that, that would be spoken to you that would cause you to begin to turn to unbelief or fear. And that word could be divorce. That word could be lack. That word could be cancer. But you begin to see something here that when they begin to speak these words, the creative power behind a word. Watch this at the end. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, when we read the word Anak, that's not that big of a deal. But when you study Anak and that, that tribe, they were the most fearsome warriors of that whole region. They were the giants. It would be like a whole tribe of, of Goliaths. And so when they said Anak, you're talking about hitting the brakes. How many of you ever got a word before in your life where you hit the brake? We're just, and life just came to a stop. I believe to a degree, this is what happened right here. It paralyzed them. Verse 29. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Mosquitoites, the Molites, the NFLites, the whoever else we can think of today. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. The word able there means the capacity to prevail or to succeed. I don't know about you, when I read this, this, this one guy, Caleb, he stands up and says, We're well able, boys. Don't, don't listen to these pessimists. Don't let them infilter your thinking. Now, when Caleb says this, you've got to remember, this is a guy who said, this is what God promised. God said we would go in there and take it. He didn't say it would be easy, but he said it would be ours. Now, I don't know about you, but this is the type of guy I want to hang out with. 
I don't want ones who always want to talk about the lions, the tigers, and bears. Who cares? I want to get around people of faith that say, listen, we can, you can. God wants us to. He wants us to go forward here. And so when I read all this, the negative ones, they were God's chosen people. They were God's children. But yet, even in this situation, they're God's children. They would never walk into the more or the promised land that God had for them as long as they continued to listen to this. Now, if we were continuing the chapter 13, it would talk about they gave them a bad report. None of us in this room are exempt from bad reports. It's not if we're going to get bad reports. It's how do I respond to the bad report. And so when you get a bad report, hang on to the promises of God. When you get a bad report, get around people who they know when the going gets tough, the tough get praying. They get on their knees. And so we go to chapter 14 of Numbers, verse 1. So all the congregation lift up their voices and they cried and the people wept that night. Now verse 2 and verse 3 are going to give us how human nature takes off. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. There's your first one right there. They blame Aaron and Moses. When life doesn't go the way that you desire it, do you start blaming other people? Do you get mad at other people? Because that's exactly what they did. So they, they get mad at Aaron and Moses and they said, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or only if we died in the wilderness. What a way to live. The highlight of my life is just to die. And so I, I, I look into this verse and I begin to think, what type of mentality is that? That is a person that settles. That's a person that quits. That's a person that gives up. Verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? This is human nature number two. If we don't blame other people, we blame God. And you think about that in our life. That's usually the, the process within every one of us. If we were to go back into the early part of the Bible in Genesis 3, when God said that to Adam, why'd you do that? Remember Adam's response? It's that woman. That you gave me. So human nature again, you see it. It's very easy to blame other people or to blame God. But you're going to see today through scriptures, every one of us in this room, we have a say-so. So he goes on to say it into verse 3, that our wives and our children should become victims. Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? Now, you talking about having amnesia. These guys are acting like they had such a great life in, in Egypt. Woo, when we were in Egypt, we had abundance of food. We went down to the ocean and chilled by the beach. It was just wonderful. It wasn't. Some of the words that describe their life in Egypt, 
They were full of bitterness. They were in bondage. They were overwhelmed. They were overworked. And it got so bad that they begin to cry out to God and God shows up. Keep reading, verse 4. So they said to one another, let us select the leader and let's just go back to, to, to Egypt. Oh, it was such a wonderful place. So what you see here is now they wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. They stay in between. In between Egypt and in between the promised land. Now this is where the video of the Luke comes in. Do you know in my life and your life, year after year we can go in the same circle. We never progress. We never advance. And so we get on the loop and we just keep going around the loop. We just keep going around the loop. After 22 years, I'm still on the loop. And I call Shelly and I say, I'm still on the loop. And she says, well, ding dong, there's exits. You've got to get off. One of the definitions of insanity is keeping doing the same thing day after day and expecting a different result. And so, guess who got on the loop? I got on the loop. Guess who has the ability to get off of the loop? I do. I'm driving. It's the same in our lives. So what begins to happen, we become very similar. We get on that pendulum. And at times we get a little closer to God. And then all of a sudden we get a little closer to sin. And sometimes we get closer to the old nature of the old man. And then we get closer to the new nature of the new man. Sometimes we get a little colder. Sometimes we get a little hotter. But when we look at it, we've never progressed to the destiny that God has for us. This was exactly the Israelites here. This describes their, their, their lives to a T. But it can describe mine. I can know the promises of God. I can be a born again believer. And still not live under the blessings that God wants me to. Now I'm going to have them put up. Revelations chapter 3 verses 15 and 16 up on the screen. If you'd go ahead and put that up there. This is up there because it's in the message translation. That verse literally says. And Jesus said to him. He said I know your deeds. I know your actions, I know what you do, and you're neither cold nor hot. And he says, I wish you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out. Now when Jesus said that in Revelation 3, he was writing to a church in Laodicea. So he was talking to church folk, he was talking to believers, just as the Israelites were God's chosen. So when I choose to live lukewarm, I never progress. We go to that verse. I know you inside and out, and I find little to my liking. You're not cold, you're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. And Jesus says, you make me want to puke. Wow. So what happens here with the word lukewarm is I become idle. 
I don't go forward. I don't go backwards. I never take a stand. I just kind of freeze. And so when I live in life of idleness, my heart begins to grow hard. The way I keep a soft heart is when I obey the Word of God and I keep doing the Word of God. That's even in the area of repentance. When I repent to God for my sins, it'll keep my, my heart soft, tender. But with that hard heart, I begin to swing into a thing called lukewarm. Better stated, I become a nominal Christian. I exist only in name and I have minimal wealth. Wow. So here's the question for you. Are you a nominal Christian? Do you only exist in name? I'm a Christian. Well, think about this. The Israelites were God's chosen. They didn't advance. They didn't progress. They did today what they had done yesterday because that's what they had done the day before. So again, I keep doing the same thing day after day and expect a different result. It's not going to change. It's not going to take place. So here's a question for you. Is it possible to be born again Christian and live as a failure? What do you mean by failure? To live beneath what God desires you to have. That's exactly what took place with the Israelites. He had these promises. He wanted them to go into that land. But they never made it. Turn with me to your right there to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30. Do you know just like the Israelites. For me to live in the more that God has for me. I have a say so and so do you. If you hadn't got anything yet today out of this, mark this passage in your Bible. Mark this in your notes. I'm going to begin in Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 through 20. This passage here is the key to life. We begin in verse 11. For this commandment which I command you today, it's not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off not too difficult or beyond your reach. Verse 12, it is not in heaven or it is not kept in heaven that you should say who will send to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. So here's a question that I believe every one of us have said before. I would obey God. I would do what God wanted me to do if I knew what he wanted me to do. I just don't know what God wants me to do. So when you read verses 11, 12, and 13, literally this becomes an unacceptable excuse. The word of God can be found. The things of God can be found. They're before us day after day after day after day. So now... Watch where he goes with this, and this will help us. But the Word of God is very near you. How's that? In your mouth and your heart, that you may do it. The first clue he gives me here is, I've got to get the Word of God in me. You get the Word of God in you, and you'll start getting God in you. 
And he said, get the word in you that it'll get in your heart that you may begin to say it. That you may begin to speak it. The word of God comes alive when it's spoken. The rhema is called the spoken word. Something happens when I begin to speak the word of God out of my mouth. How did you get saved? You confessed with your mouth that Jesus was Lord. How do you get forgiven? You confess your sin with your mouth. Your mouth is very powerful. It's so powerful. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. So he said, you got to get the word and you got to speak it. How many of you are facing some giants right now to this day? You say, man, it's a giant in my life. It's an anic in my life. Mark eleven twenty three says this, Whosoever, whosoever, whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he saith, he will have whatever he says. So here's the deal with the mountains in your life. You're either speaking to the mountains or the mountains are speaking to you. And so I got to get the word in my mouth. I can pout, I can complain, I can whine, or I can speak the word. So he's beginning to tell us right here, speak the word. Find scripture that pertains to what you're going through in life and speak it. Speak the word, speak it, speak it, speak it. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Life and prosperity, death or disaster. I've set before you today. So guess what he did right there? He put the ball in your court and my court. He said, I've set it before you today. So in other words, you get to choose. And what you'll see in verses 11 through, through or verse 20, verses 11 through 20, on five different occasions, he says today. He didn't say tomorrow. He said today. So you know what that says? Quit procrastinating. Now, when I look there, he says, I set before you today life and blessing, death and, and disaster. It would be like us going to, to first cafeteria after church. And let's just say there's this big, 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 big table of food that goes all the way through here. And on this side of the line is blessing and cursing. And on this side of the line, or no, no, no. This side of the line is blessing and life. This side is cursing and death. Now you get to choose which side you go on. You get to push your plate through there, your tray. And when you're going through there, how many of you have ever been to Furs and the guy behind the table, he looks at Chris and says, chicken fried steak for you today, buddy. And he looks at Emily and says, you need a salad today, darling. What's my point? I've never been to one of those places where the guy who's serving me picks what I'm going to eat. I say, that's what I want. And that's what I want. And he said, I said before you today. I said before you. But, but, no, 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 no. No butsies. Those butsies will get you in trouble. Those physical butsies will get you in trouble too. 
unless you're married. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. (laughs) We better move on. Verse 16. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God. To love the Lord your God. Now I'm going to throw a verse at you here. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey me. See, all day long, man, I can say, oh, I love you, Lord, I love you. But not obeying. Now, watch how that verse plays out in this. I command you today to love the Lord your God. How do I love the Lord God? To walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgment, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Now, I love the last part. Woo, I want to live and I want to multiply and I want the blessings of God. But they are only a result of obeying the word of God. So when you see a person walking in blessings in life, view them as a person, they obey God. Don't get mad and stomp your feet and say, they won the heavenly lottery, they're so lucky. No, they made a choice in their life to obey God. And when you see a couple walking in a good marriage, you know what that's a result of? Two people that obey the word of God even in their marriage. Listen, you don't fluke a good marriage. You have a good marriage by a choice. And you know what a good marriage is? It's a result of two good forgivers. Oh, that hurt. That hurt, Pastor. That hurt. That was below the belt. Let me keep reading. Verse 17. But, oh no, not the butsies again. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and you worship the other God and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall perish. You shall no longer not prolong your days in the land which you cross over to the Jordan to go in and possess. You know what that was a result of? Disobeying the word of God. Life, death, blessing, cursing, you choose. Now mark this one here. This is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible, verse 19. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you. That heaven and earth will testify against you or for you today based off your choices. So we keep reading, it says, That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. It's an A and B answer. Life, blessing, death or curse. And God's so good, you know what he does? He cheats. He tells us the answer. He said, you want to choose life. That's the ticket. Choose life. Now watch how he ends verse 19. That both you and your descendants may live. So he just tells me right here in the scriptures 
that my choices in this life not only will affect me, they'll affect my children that come after me, and they'll affect my grandchildren. And you can blow that off. You can say, so what? I'll live however I You can. You can do that. And we'll highlight your name as Selfish Sue. You live selfish where it's only about you. You have no thought of anybody else. And so what happens to us in life, genetically we understand there's some certain traits and characteristics we hand over to our children. Sometimes you'll have people say, oh, your son looks just like you. Sometimes they'll say they have your behaviors and your actions, but that's not only genetically my DNA, that's even spiritually. I witnessed it last night at a wedding. I went to a wedding last night, and on both sides of the bride and the groom, great-grandparents, grandparents, and parents on both sides serve God. It was incredible. It was so refreshing to look and say, that's why the blessings of God. And you say, well, my mom and dad, they punted on me. They didn't. Well, you be a generational history maker. You start it. You be the one that says, I choose life. I choose blessing. And I rise up and say, I'm going to live for you, God. Grace me to be a, a man or a woman of God. Verse 20. Ooh, we better hurry. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life. The reason I highlight that part there, for he is your life, the New Living Translation says, this is the key to your life. Get it. So you want to see something's really good? Study that passage there. And live your life by the Word of God unlike any other time. Say, Father God, I'm going to serve you. Now, we jump into to the New Testament. The last, way back after Hebrews, uh, James. James chapter 1. And the reason I'm going to go here is this passage in James chapter 1. It models Deuteronomy 30. It's just here in the New Testament. For time's sake, I'm going to move. This is James chapter 1 verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Darkness. Man, have no part in darkness. Get rid of it. Ask God to help you. And receive with meekness or humility the implanted Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Woo, I got to get the Word. I got to get the Word on the inside of me. Get that Word planted down on the inside of you. And if you'll note, he said the implanted Word of God, which is able to save your souls. He doesn't say there's any other way that that can happen. Get in the Word. Verse 22. But be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving or fooling yourselves. So it's one thing to hear the word, but it's another thing to heed it and to do it. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So when I just look at myself through the word of God, and then I leave it and I don't do anything with it, I don't forget, I forget who I am. I have no thought of the Bible anymore. Verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. 
and continues in it. Highlight that in your Bible. And he who continues in it. When you see people that are spiritual giants, it's people that have continued in it. And what happens with Americans is we like to microwave everything. 20 seconds, if it doesn't ding, we're mad. Over the ATM, we go to McDonald's, we're ticked off if it's not out in 12 seconds. But something happens when I continue in it. God's into marinating, we're into microwaving. God wants to put you in a spiritual crock pot for the rest of your life. So what happens to us as human beings? Well, we have this thought that, you know what, I, I can serve God for a week and everything ought to just change. Well, let me help you out with that thought just a little bit here. It would be like on January 1st, on New Year's Day, you said, you know, Lord, I'm going to really eat better this year. So on New Year's Day, you get out all the vegetables you can eat and you say, I'm done for the rest of the year. I'm on Krispy Kreme out day after day. I'm in. Body by buffet. Woohoo! See, we understand that thing. You can't do that. You can't eat vegetables on January 1st and not eat them again the rest of the year. It's like going to the weight room. I'm going to be lean, mean, and fit to be seen. I'm going to be all tight-bodied. I'll pump you up. So I go to the gym one day. And then I'm off the rest of the year. See, we understand that thinking there. But spiritually when we do that, we're going to get kicked in life. And we start getting kicked in life. When you look up there, we say, God, what are you doing? And God said, I set before you this day life and death, blessing. Therefore, you choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And so I can tell you this morning, God has more for every one of us in this room. I got to get off the loop. Some of you have been going around the loop for 20 years. Exit. Get to the place I need to be and say, Father God, I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to hang out with God. I'm going to get around people of faith. And watch what God will begin to do. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.